0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hey, this is Dave. We recorded this episode prior to the Cam Acres News breaking, uh, so anything in this episode that doesn't make sense, that is why, and we will cover that and all of the implications when we see you next week.
2: What's up, Road of His listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Road of His Radio and one of the co-hosts off of the Road of His Overtime
0: podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening into another Road of His Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotovis NFL pass right now at rotovis.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotovis website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners
2: in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show, and if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite
1: podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now, let's get back to the show. We're talking the Vikings, Lions, and Dolphins on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz doing another Friday episode where we consider three teams, depth charts, talking about which players are likely to be fantasy relevant. And as a result are players that we need to spend some time considering and that we would recommend you think about as you start drafting your teams for the coming season. Curtis, I have a question for you, uh, not on the show sheet, but I have been receiving a lot of pushback um, for my pessimism surrounding Cam Akers do you remember any specific fantasy takes that you had that were extremely unpopular?
2: Oh man. Oh, I actually think I saw that exchange. Uh, not you go at free. You went at Matt Friedman on that. Right. Which um, is funny
1: because we liked it. We <laughs> both loved
2: Aker's last earlier this year this week. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But now I got a ton of people like replying back and now I've just given myself work. So I wish I had just stayed silent. It's,
2: it's hard to, it's hard to remember, man. Um, It's hard to remember, you know, I think I, I think I got a lot of rightful pushback on my love for Marquise Brown uh, in 2020. I was very high on Hollywood. I was drafting him aggressively. Uh, I think um, to to the unfortunate reality for many, um, you know, we we managed to push his ADP up several rounds. Uh, I had pretty, pretty much a smash article on him. Uh, it's one of the most fun articles I think I've ever written um, just because of the way that it was laid out. But, you know, I, I don't regret the take. I mean, I stand by the logic um, and research that went into it. But I think there was, there was some rightful pushback on that, you know, around the idea that the, the Ravens offense wouldn't support what I was projecting him to do. Um, and that turned out to be true. Um, but you know, then there's other, other points of the season where the offense wasn't able to do, uh, what it had been doing. And toward the end of the year, you know, he kind of was doing what I thought he would. Um, it just didn't bear out over the course of the season or the important weeks that that people needed it. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. That's the one that comes to mind probably just cause it's the most recent. Um, I was also, man, it's probably been five years ago now, actually my first, maybe six, uh, it's been forever. Like the first piece I, I, I actually remember Rogas, Dave it. was about McDonald. Vance McDonald it was Vance McDonald man yeah and uh yeah the Vance dance man I I single-handedly made Vance McDonald a thing in uh in fantasy and then in week one he goes out and he scores like a 75 yard touchdown and it was just like man this is actually gonna be a thing and then yeah, I mean he just obviously it just never it never worked out but uh yeah, that one I didn't actually feel like I got pushed back on because I just didn't have like uh, a, a base of readership yet. Um, whereas last year, you know, I think there were, you know, there were people who were like, Hey, you know, I just actually just disagree with this. Like Baltimore yeah. is not going to support Hollywood. So that's probably the biggest one. I think generally though, I, I tend to block out that stuff. Cause if you're going to c- continue to be a content producer, I mean, you just got to stay at it. And if, if it's important to listen to feedback from people who are coming at it from a standpoint of, Let's make sure we get this right. Versus the the difference of some people just like being a fanboy of a player and not agreeing. A like in this case, I think because you're being pessimistic on a player that's pretty trendy, it's a different feel than me being optimistic on a player who others aren't as optimistic on. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. It does. Um, but you know, it's kind of I think. Uh... So don't hate, man. So just don't hate. You can stay out of all this feedback uh,
2: it's, I'll give my my Friday takeaway from the end of the episode early. You know, we live by the "stay positive" mantra, right? That's that's what I do, man. I'm, we're trying to stay positive. So if you just don't throw any hate at players, you just don't talk about the players that you hate, and you only talk about the players that you love, you'll probably run into this a lot less, Dave.
1: <laughs> that's probably true. Well, at, at any rate, it' uh, always fun to uh, you know see both sides of the argument. But let's get into these teams. All right, let's start with Minnesota. Uh, There's one player in particular that I find pretty interesting, so you can give me your thoughts on him. Obviously, Kirk Cousins locked in as the starting quarterback at running back. You have Dalvin Cook. The player that I'm kind of curious about what you think of him is Alexander Madison at wide receiver, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, uh, Chad Beebe, Irv Smith Jr. um, at tight end. Tyler Conklin behind him. Uh, in terms of players of consequence here, obviously you're gonna have Cousins, Cook, Thielen, Jefferson. I think that Irv Smith should be pretty relevant. The question is, is Alexander Madison going to be relevant? And are any of the perhaps receivers? Now, Madison, in two games last year where he got a lot of work, 20 rushing attempts in week five against Seattle finished with 16.6 fantasy points. And then in week 17, had 21 rushing attempts, finished with 29 and a half, which is interesting because I seem to remember last year, there was a couple of times where people were thinking that Alexander Madison was going to have a shot to break out in the absence of Dalvin Cook, and it didn't really come to fruition. But I look at those two games, I'm like, all right, you know, maybe he was fine filling in for him. Um, So what do you, what do you make of Madison? And then just thoughts on if there's any players on the team that I didn't highlight as guys we need to think about that we should be.
2: I mean, I think I think Madison has a chance to be relevant if the same thing that happened last year that led to his relevance happens. You know that Dalvin Cook misses misses a full game. You know, to, you know, even if it's just one. I think what Madison showed is if he gets volume, he can produce, which just basically means he has requisite ability as a running back in the NFL to produce within the context of that team's offense. I mean, Minnesota has a pretty well-defined run game. It knows what its offensive identity is, has no problem, you know, giving him, um, giving him those touches rather than, you know, turning it into a committee, um, so that, you know, they showed in those games that they would treat him like Dalvin cook. I mean, he's definitely not Dalvin cook. I pretty much just think Alexander Madison is, you know, just a guy, um, but from a fantasy perspective, sometimes that's enough if the team treats him like he's not just a guy. So if if he's out, I think, you know, if he's on your roster, already on your roster, you can start him with confidence. I think for the reasons we saw last year, you know, he remains relevant for best ball purposes, uh, especially in, in uh, you know, team constructs where you're still going to be drafting running backs in that later ADP range. Um, but I don't think he's a player like if he got the whole year, I think you'd eventually find out that, that he's not actually that good. Um, it's just in 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 single week scenarios, he was able to do enough um to create a little bit of confidence. From like a dynasty perspective, if I can spin that way for a second, you no, know, I do yep. think with Adam Thielen being on the back nine, um, we should be looking at who's the complement to Justin Jefferson and, and for the long haul in this offense. And um, you know, I think uh, Amir Smith Marset. Is a little bit interesting. He was not a player really on my radar, a little bit older, um, and he didn't hit a 30% dominator until year four. But if if we look at the Rotovis uh prospect box box score scout, you know, as a junior in 2019, he did have a, a 28% um dominator. And and in his final two seasons, he eclipsed uh 30% in receiving touchdown market share, it was 50% for Iowa in 2020 there. You know, and he has some rushing ability. You know, rushed for over a hundred yards and, and three touchdowns in in twenty nineteen. You know, just kind of a kind of an interesting player. Um, drafted in the fifth round, so he's a day three guy. But the Vikings have hit on day three and and undrafted even players in the past. I mean, Stephon Diggs was a day three player for them. Adam Thielen, Thielen himself, um, you know, came came without you know any. Uh, investment at all if I think he was a six-round pick of memory serves um, and so you know I think that's interesting and with him having a little bit of that rushing dynamic ability special teams ability maybe a play a player that could flash a little bit and earn himself some more reps either as part of a Thielen decline in efficiency or injury or potentially challenging for a wide receiver three role uh, that I think many have kind of given to Chad Beebe a little bit the team doesn't play Uh, as much three wide as other squads. And they've already kind of said that they think Tyler Conklin and Irv Smith will kind of do what Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith did last year. So wide receiver three in Minnesota is worth less than it is in a lot of other offenses. But I do think uh, Amir Smith-Marset's a little bit interesting in deeper dynasty. And I don't think that he's universally owned. Um, So that's maybe a name to monitor.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, he was one of those guys that uh, like towards the end of my process of looking through the prospects i spent some time looking at i got kind of interested in um so yeah there's definitely going to be some void at at some point in the minnesota passing game that maybe one of these guys like smith Marset, could fill let's bounce over to detroit uh man a team I'm a little bit worried about, as I mentioned, Jared Goff actually came up better in my projections than I would have expected. I'm unsure about DeAndre Swift. Hard to know exactly what things are going to look like with the wide receivers. Then the one player, TJ Hawkinson, for which we feel probably pretty good about knowing that uh, he should be like the main fixture in the passing game. You still have to wonder how he performs with Jared Goff away from Sean McVay. So, Jared Goff at quarterback, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams at running back. Wide receivers, you have Tyrell Williams, Brashad Perriman, Quintus Cephas, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Geronimo Allison, and then, like I said, TJ Hawkinson, Darren Fells. Are you as worried about this offense just being an absolute dumpster fire as I am? And um, take me through... Outside of Swift, Goff, and Hawkinson, the other players that are worth some fantasy attention.
2: It's it's tough with an offense like this uh, because we've seen we've seen Jared Goff produce um, at very high levels in the past. We we tend to attribute. I think you and I, but I think we as a fantasy industry collectively tend to attribute his success, you know, to Sean McVay and the surrounding talents. There's a non-zero chance that Goff's a little bit responsible for some of his success in LA, um, even though it's become fun to poke fun at him um, over, you know, his fumbling problems, his small hands, you know, (laughs) the the Halle Berry audibles and, you know, all all that stuff. I mean, Jared Goff's actually kind of an interesting career arc uh, thus far. And we've seen just really bad teams become super fantasy relevant, Um, I mean, the Blake Bortles, Allen Robinson Jaguars, uh, or Jaguars, sorry. I I remember earlier this offseason, people were making fun of me for saying Jaguars, um, Jaguars. Uh, Blake Bortles, um, I mean, won plenty of fantasy leagues that year. And if the Lions are bad enough to where they just have insane passing volume, and Goff throws it 650 times and doesn't actually get benched, he could be pretty um, interesting and, you know, turn in, you know, low end QB one season or something like that. He has to be good enough on the volume, but bad enough, um, uh, bad enough to not have them in games early. So it's just kind of, you know, really threading the needle there, but I just don't know if there's enough surrounding passing game talent uh, to do it. I don't think there's an Allen Robinson level talent um, at wide receiver on the offense obviously and even though you know there's a lot of excitement around TJ Hawkinson and what he could be you know I I think there's excitement about him as a player but a lot of that excitement is also volume driven because people look around at what else is in the offense and they're like how many other tight ends can we say are the odds on favorite to lead their team in targets so it's kind of hard to es- extract those two things uh from one another. Hawkinson is obviously very athletic and he's shown some glimpses. Um but, you know, I mean, besides Kenny G, uh you know, I mean Kenny G and Marvin Jones, I mean that's a pretty good that's a pretty good tandem, but it was not an elite tandem to where it should have held Hawkinson down to the degree that he's been held down in, in this offense thus far. And and that was with Matthew Stafford there who we're all basically saying is a massive, massive upgrade over Jared Goff. So like some of this stuff, you know, it feels like we're talking out of both sides of our mouth with, uh, you know, with the, the Detroit Lions offense. It's just an offense that I haven't really invested in really at all. I have just a very few shares across, you know, 50 plus best ball drafts at this point, very few shares of TJ Hawkinson and basically no other shares of any, uh lions player i i am pretty sure i have zero deandre swift shares um you know so if i'm wrong on this offense it you know definitely be to my detriment because uh, i'm going to miss out on on all these breakouts i don't even think looking at the depth chart i mean i'm ray st brown for like i i understand the case for him um but like even like in the long run like if if he if he wins the early role it's going to be because everyone else is bad not because he's like going to turn into a stud right. like i d- i just think he's a chain mover and he would like he would be an instant flip candidate like if he's leading all rookie wide receivers in receptions at the end of September i'm not going to be like oh you know i've solved my long-term wide receiver 2 on my dynasty squad i'm going to be like hey can i get a next year's first for Amon Ray St. Brown from somebody who thinks he's the real deal. Uh, like I wouldn't be, you know, I, I just think this, this offense is going to go undergo multiple iterations before it's finally fixed. And this doesn't look anything like what the long-term lions offense will look like, like probably save Hawkinson and maybe Swift. So, and, and, I mean, am I being unfairly harsh? Like, is there anybody that you're like, are you excited about Terrell Williams or Brashad Perriman? Like, am I missing it? <laughs>
0: um,
1: This is how I would explain my feelings about the Lions are, I uh, am pretty worried about this team, you know, being in a transitional year with uh, Dan Campbell coming in, some changes being made, especially at the quarterback position. So as a result of that, I am not going to be that excited about about DeAndre Swift, he will probably not make it onto any of my teams. Like a lot of the running backs in that spot might get Hawkinson here and there. The way that I'm approaching Detroit is there's some uncertainty as a result of that. I probably will take some shots. And I've been saying this for a while now on the receivers, specifically Williams and Perriman, just because you can get them so late. So that's how I'm going to get into this offense in the event that I'm wrong um, but yeah, no, I, I more or less agree with all of your sentiments there. Uh, I do want to share though, because while I was trying to do some research on Dan Campbell, I came across this section on his Wikipedia page that I have now brought back up. Cause I want to read it. Campbell is a noted fan of Metallica and during his time at Texas A&M, he was nicknamed Dan Metallica by his roommate, Shane Leckler. He also enjoys country music and classes, classic rock. During his playing career, he was nicknamed The Dude due to his resemblance of Jeff Bridges' character in The Big Lebowski. Upon joining the Detroit Lions, he gained the nickname MCDC by Pat McAfee on his daily radio show. The acronym is short for Motor City Dan Campbell and is also a reference to ACDC. So who knows? Maybe a man with this many monikers comes in and just really gets things going in the right direction for Detroit.
2: Stop it! Stop it, man. All this, all this ensures is that Dan Campbell probably makes the list of of coaches that would be you know really fun to have a beer with, um, or, or maybe it would be absolute torture. Like I, I think of uh, Rotovis alum uh, uh, Denny Carter and Dan Campbell. Not sure they'd have a lot to talk about, um, based off of this this bio. Um, I think that would actually be great um, great viewing uh for the for the audience if we could somehow get them uh you know on a on a video show uh together uh, dan definitely seems like a midwest dude um i don't really like a lot of these bands but i think i would have plenty to talk about with uh dan and i think he and his wife holly could come over and, and enjoy themselves quite nicely at the patrick household <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, let's talk about a team, the Miami Dolphins, where I am expecting that I'm going to get some more excitement out of you, largely because of player Miles Gaskin that we've talked about. But you got Tua, you got Miles, Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle, uh, Mike Kosicki, Lynn Bowden Jr., Jakeem Grant right? There's some players on this team that have been names, maybe even, you know, another tight end, Hunter Long, Adam Shaheen, Durham Smith, um, Salvin Ahmed too, right? Malcolm Brown's now on that team. So this is a, this, this is an offense, which I think many feel like is trending in the right direction. There are some names there. Uh, is some of this fool's gold to think that the dolphins can support a number of players for fantasy purposes. Uh, so who of these guys are you zoning in and focusing on?
2: I'm not really focusing on any of them, um, but they pretty much everyone except Devonte Parker. Uh, I have a little bit of exposure to if I, if I get them below ADP um, I think, you know, miles Gaskin and Will Fuller are the, the two most exciting for me here. I mean, it is really unfortunate that, you know, is going to miss that first game. He just can't find a way to play all 16, no matter whether it's injury or, you know, now PEDs uh, that he's paying for the year <laughs> after the fact. Um, you, you know, but like a play, if, it's, here's the thing, like if it really, I think if any of these players hits, it's because the whole Dolphins offense um, arrived. Like if two, yep. if two is actually good, like all of these players are going to outperform um, their ADPs. Like ver, when we're talking about Detroit, we're talking about an offense that really is just de- objectively devoid of exciting NFL talent um, other than um, DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson. But basically all of the starting position players, like from fantasy perspective, like they all have really high ceilings. Like they all have really interesting college production profiles. Even Miles Gaskin, who doesn't have a lot of draft capital, was an amazingly productive four-year starter uh, at Washington. Um, and even as you go down the depth chart, I mean, Ahmed, you know, kind of the same boat there. Lynn Bowden Jr. Uh, there's a lot of proven talent on this offense to where if they break out, you know, could all, you know, kind of um, funnel uh, production to each other even uh, because who do you really who do you really try to focus on or shut down Fuller and Waddle both um, kind of Ferraris there on the outside and Mike Gasicki Gaskin I think has the potential to give fantasy drafters the most heartbreak because he seems to be the favorite here and I mean you know when you look at Brian Flores I know he's not calling the offense but I mean all of his coaching sensibilities are really coming out of that Belichick coaching tree um, and that's, that's the system that he grew up in and hot hand at running back is, is definitely not out of the question here, especially if two is kind of out of rhythm and they're looking, you know, he, and he's not getting it done. Um, and the team has to depend on the run. Maybe a player like Malcolm Brown, Malcolm Brown, who is a little bit sturdier and, you know, showed that high volume rushing ability uh, with the Rams last year could become a player that they would they would lean on. But in the event that the team does break out, Gaskin is, you know, a potential win rate booster across a, a best ball portfolio because he's going to be end up proving to have gone way, way below from an ADP positional ADP standpoint versus what he's valued uh, to, to your offense. I mean, he produced at that RB one clip over, you know, the uh, a key stretch of the fantasy season last year, and that could prove to, you know, really just be the tip of the iceberg. So very excited about this offense, um, altogether actually traded for, uh, I, I traded a future first four to, a uh, Tonga Voiloa in a dynasty startup. I think it was the one that you and I were in the RotoVis triflex league together, Dave. Yep. Um, so even, it, you know, I, I'm playing, I'm playing, um, the scenarios where this offense breaks out, um, not just in redraft, but, you know, also in my, in my dynasty portfolio where it's made sense.
1: Wow. Okay. Um, so here's my take on Miami though. I do expect the team to take a step forward this year. And I like a lot of these players individually. I'm not sure that things come together in a way that makes me all that jazzed up on any of them. I've always been a huge fan of Will Fuller. Um I'm not sure that I can view him in the same light that I have in the past. Jalen Waddell, I really like. I'm not sure that he gets inserted into this offense quickly enough, is able to achieve enough as a rookie that I'm going to be going out of my way like I might have to at his Well, it's not that their ADPs are too inflated. It's just that the other pieces or other options at their points in drafts, I feel a little bit better about. So a lot of this stems from when I was working through the projection process. I basically determined that with what I expect to happen, unless we do see this massive step forward, um, a lot of these guys just aren't going to... Make a very large fantasy impact. Uh, and I know that I've talked about how, you know, on some level, the projections are just, you know, one input into the larger process. But I will say, like, I was, it, some of these results for Miami were fairly sobering. They helped put things into context, um, especially in the case of Waddle and Fuller. Also, when you consider the fact that there's Devontae Parker there as well i don't remember the adps of these players off the top of my head but suffice it to say when i took that overall picture i have this odd contrast in i like a lot of these guys but as far as my fantasy teams go i'm not sure that i will be investing that heavily into any of them i don't know if that seems logical or makes sense uh or prompts any questions that you might have off of that
2: i mean i think it make it definitely makes sense um and you know, I, I'm glad that you tempered some of my enthusiasm up with, from really from a different um, standpoint, uh, because projections are um, it, it's rooted in it's rooted in some thoughts about what's going to happen this season versus only looking at the breakout scenarios. And it's a, it's a, it's important to, you know, to look at it both ways. Perhaps we can break the tie, you know, using a, a recent article, um, you know, from one of our partners um, you know, Sean Siegel actually uh, named the Dolphins uh, his undervalued offense for 2021. Um, he, on July 1st, he published an article uh, titled, This Undervalued Offense Could Be an Embarrassment of Fantasy Riches in 2021. And some of the takeaways from that um, were uh, that uh, Tua Tagovailoa is a potential breakout player, um, going at QB 22, he thinks he fits an upside late round QB approach. Uh, Will Fuller going at wide receiver 42 in drafts right now is 34 positional slots below his twenty twenty points per game finish. So even if, you know, the scenarios where you're talking about where, you know, maybe nobody really takes a step forward from that wide receiver group at wide receiver 42, you're not paying a premium for the potential upside that Will Fuller brings yeah. to the table. Um, and then, you know, newcomer um, to the site and, and Sean smartly references back to this work, Corbin Young, um, one of the bright new minds uh, at the site here. Um, he he kind of dusted off uh, a tried and true series um, that we've been doing for several years around um, big gap backs. So we're talking about um, situations where there's a big gap between the RB one and the RB two in an offense. And there's plenty of research that goes into um, when to target the earlier player versus the later player. And uh, Corbin called miles Gaskin, the big gap back tone everywhere everywhere uh, in 2021. It's actually his debut article. So not pulling any punches on uh, his first work for the site. <laughs> um, so, you know, you know, I think given, given Sean, I think layering in that, you're not paying the premium for the upside in the offense. I think yep. it can marry my optimism with your, you know, exercise in reality together, because while you don't, you don't feel safe to project the breakout, you're, yep. you also don't need that to happen for these right. players to be values at ADP.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. So you're hundred percent on. So actually, as we started, I went back and I looked at their current um, ADP, At this point in time, and you're right, the ADP is all so far back that they're completely fine options to take, especially to try to capture some of that upside. Uh, So I guess for listeners, my important thought was I just realized that you have a lot of players on this team that I really like and that the odds of them taking big steps forward or having this explosive season are not as high as I thought, especially when I start to think about multiple guys doing it. Uh, So it is hard to project, but I think it is fair to push back on my pessimism that I kind of presented here because that is definitely getting baked in to the ADP. So maybe we just leave it with, this is a team that looks like it's going to step forward, could definitely have some upside. You just have to recognize the fact that, um, that upside or the breakout is not guaranteed. And even if it does happen, that doesn't mean that we have a situation where all of the players are all of a sudden, you know, ascending their positional boards. The final note, it is interesting to see that the ADP is going fuller Waddle and then Devonte Parker. Uh, so it might be an interesting play to try to get Devonte Parker, uh, seeing as you can get him a little bit later than the other two.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, we don't we don't know. uh, It's definitely not certain who's going to lead the room. I mean, I think uh, I think their NFL. Their NFL production and efficiency metrics to date, uh, they certainly favor Fuller as the better player, but Parker has the established uh, relationship, uh, you know, several years in this offense now. Um, yeah, so uh, especially early in the season, maybe, um, and especially in Week One when Fuller's not even available, Parker, uh, you know, earns a little bit extra uh, market share from from Tua, and it takes some time for that to tra- transition. You know, I think uh, one other thing that that's interesting here, and um, in kind of relating this back to the Lions, um, because they are offenses we're less certain about. Both of these offenses we're less certain about than the Vikings, where things are a little bit more established. It's kind of interesting that the offense that you and I both agree, um, we both agree the Lions will be a worse team with a less exciting offense. But I think I think the two most highly drafted players from either of these squads are both Lions. I think Swift mm. and Hawkinson have the two highest ADPs of all these players, and we expect that team to be bad, whereas we think the the Dolphins are an up-and-coming team potentially, that, you know, that where, um, you know, we're drafting players maybe more at their floor or more reasonable outcome rather than drafting them, you know, a player like Swift and Hawkinson maybe with their presumed ceiling in mind. Um, and so that's, I think the other thing that makes this an interesting team to target in fantasy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially like, and I mean, that's a function of if things go right for the lions, it's pretty clear that the players that are going to do well are Swift and Hawkinson but because things are murkier in Miami, people aren't exactly sure if, if things do go right, who the major beneficiaries will be. So I think that's a really smart point to to make, Curtis. And then maybe uh, that's a compelling reason as to why people should be <laughs> more resistant to the cold water that I put on this Um you know, given the prices and everything we talked about earlier. So I'm glad actually that we made our way through that exercise. Uh, And of course, we come back to Sean's article making a fantastic point. Um, So hopefully this equips people to think about the Dolphins uh, in the proper way for the 2021 season. Takes us to the end of the episode. You already shared some thoughts for this Friday. Anything else you want to send the people away with?
2: No, man, we're just harking back to it. I mean, stay positive, stay positive, fam. I mean, find the good that happened in your week or the day. And if you're struggling to find something good that happened to you, do something good for someone else. Um, You can make their day and change your outlook and mindset at the same time. And then Dave, you know, specifically for you, we got to get you out of these pessimistic views for these teams and start talking <laughs> about some teams you're excited about. So next week I want us to talk about a team that Dave Cabin loves in 2021 and some players that Dave Cabin loves in 2021. Cause I want to, I want to hear you get jacked up, man. Um Maybe we'll switch roles. And then I, you know, I poke holes into players that, that you're yeah. pumped up about and uh, you know, we'll, we'll trade trade seats for a minute. Cause I, I want, I want the listening public to understand that Dave Cabin has player targets and
1: he, he's not just a, he's not team fate. Everywhere. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. I might have to go find those teams. Uh, but I, I'm sure there there are some players that I do like. We've talked a ton about Jared cook. So maybe I'll have to sneak the chargers in there. I forget if we am oh already gosh. talked about them, but
2: no, I will find the inside the top eight rounds.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. All right. On that note, have a good weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening to the roto fantasy football show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Dave Cabin FF and at C Patrick NFL. Email us at roto FF show at gmail.com. Visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.